The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Mindful of your health. Sponsored by Emergence Health Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our EHN Mindful of Your Health videocast and podcast. I'm your host, Noreen Hadamio. Now, for the past several weeks, we've been highlighting the multiple services and programs offered at Emergence Health Network, and today we're going to take that a step further. We have our guest with us, who is our CEO, Christy Darty, and we first want to welcome you. Thank you for having me. This and one of the reasons that we wanted to have you here is to talk about the significance that the agency as a whole plays in our community. And what I want to start off with is that EHN is the local mental health authority and local IDD authority. Now, what does that mean and why is that important for our community? Well, it's a great question because I think a lot of folks hear the term authority and think that we're the boss of someone. And I can guarantee you we are the boss of no one. Okay. The, the role of the authority really is as a safety net. We have a lot of responsibility in the community um, to be that safety net uh, with our crisis system, to serve the folks that are uninsured. And so there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And then we also, um, you know, we also are able to draw in different funding that other organizations may not have access to. Okay. And it's part of a bigger system throughout the state, correct? Correct. There are 39 authorities across the state of Texas covering all 200 plus, I think 240 counties, counties or whatever. I'm sorry, I should know that. Yeah, in Texas. Um, But uh, yes, we have 39 uh, or 38 sister centers and we all um, were made up the same way, like created the same way, but right. we all function different to meet the local need. Okay. So that's a, a, an important distinction to have for El Paso. It is. It is. Okay. The authority function is so critical to, um, again, that safe. I can't keep, keep. I keep saying it. That safety net responsibility because there's some very there's folks out there that are vulnerable. Their, mm -hmm. you know, their mental illness is really affecting their ability to function in the community. And we can come in and really wrap services around them in that time, right when they need them. They don't have to wait for an appointment. We're available, you know, 24/7. Okay. So you have been uh, with EHN for several years uh, in the in the capacity as as CEO but also before but you also have been in this field for several years correct oh my goodness yes I've been in the field since 94 technically I started I actually started as a, a child protective services caseworker which okay. I is was a learning experience for sure but been the CEO now um, I we're coming up on 11 years okay. and um, it's been an adventure but I really think we've grown tremendously as an organization Okay, and that was going to be my next question. So what positive changes have you seen within the organization? We'll start there. Well, you know, I really think from a reputation perspective, when I first took over, um, people didn't know who we were mm -hmm. or what they did know about us was not always um, positive. So we've worked really hard to, to um, improve our reputation, but through action with quality care. That's the important thing is we really have worked hard on making sure our services have um, their quality the, the accessibility, that's the other thing we've done. And really, um, down to brass taxes, is we've really improved ourselves from a financial health perspective. When I first took over, the organization was not financially healthy, mm -hmm. and now we are, which allows us to reinvest back in the community and our staff. Okay, and even since um, since I've been with EHN, there have been a lot of programs that have been added. 
Yes, I mean, I can't even begin to think where we started. And, you know, just from a numbers perspective, we started with about 400 employees back when I started, and now we're about 750. So that can kind of give you an idea of how we've grown. Um, We've added programs um, with our law enforcement partners, with our school partners, in the jail, uh, with our partners at at University Medical Center. Uh, We really have tried to partner with key uh, players in the community to, again, it's about access. It's Mm -hmm. making sure people have access to care. Okay. And now how about changes or what have you noticed within this in, in behavior health? Has there been some positive changes there? Do we still have a ways to go? Well, I think we've come a long way as a, as a nation with regards to recognizing mental illness as mm-hmm. a, you know, an illness. It's, it's, it's the same as you have when you look at cancer and high blood pressure or diabetes, you have to look at it as, as an illness that can be treated. Okay. And so I think there's been more acceptance and conversations around that, which is, uh, is wonderful. But I do still think the stigma around mental illness um, is there. One of my, I think you know this, one of my pet peeves is people okay. talk about uh, mental health crisis and mental health is a good thing we need to we, we need to wrap our minds around uh, mental health mental well-being being a good thing just like your physical health and you know walking your 10,000 steps and getting your 30 minutes of exercise but really you know changing the conversation to about the, the, the diagnosis mental okay. illness as a diagnosis not as the person and when it comes to mental illness and like you know well you know we've had several guests here our professionals mm-hmm. talking about this when it comes to um, mental illness or mental health, it's really just about understanding what you're dealing with. Like you would if you got a diagnosis for cancer, as soon as you understand and learn more about it, the the better the outcomes, correct, sometimes? Well, and it's the want to learn. Um, And there's fear, there's stigma, um, you know, there's a lot of of misunderstanding to where people are, you know, afraid to ask questions. And I think that that an individual, and I'm just kind of speaking globally, an individual that that may be diagnosed with a a mental illness, they probably want someone to ask. They want people to know what what their uh, symptoms are or what their triggers are. There may be something that triggers them and they they want people to know that, but it's not something you just share. You just got got to be in a comfortable environment. So I just think we have to continue to push the envelope about the conversation. And start that conversation. Now you you briefly talked about this uh, earlier and that was the collaboration, but that's a significant and an important role that EHN has, collaboration within our community. And you mentioned a few of them, but we also uh, collaborated recently with UTEP and the athletics department. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot that we do in that realm, correct? We do. Um, You know, we we are the largest provider of behavioral health or or, or mental health services here in El Paso, but we definitely need partners to be ambassadors. We need uh, the the UTEP athletics project, I can't say, when you see a UTEP football player talking about it's okay to ask for help, that has a huge impact, especially on our younger population. And I think that's something that's so important is we've got to start talking to our kids. You know, there's a Dr. Seuss book out there called My Many Colored Days. Mm -hmm. And I read that to my son's kindergarten class, what, 15, 16 years ago, he's a sophomore now. now, And, you know, teachers are just like, wow, that's not something we think about. And when you correlate feelings and emotions to colors, kids really they 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 kind of, they relate and they they open up. So we have to start having those conversations with the kids about their emotions, their feelings. You know, soon, early on, way you know, before it becomes a crisis. And I think that's one of the 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 things that the mental health system as a as a whole, as a nation, as an industry, 
we always respond to crisis rather than looking at the preventative, you know, and educational opportunities. And I think if we could do more of that, we, we could make a huge impact. Well, you mentioned kids. So let's go ahead and talk a little about some of the collaboration and sure. some of the programs that we've done with the school district. Mm-hmm. And that is relatively, it is new mm-hmm. for our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things that we're doing with CIT in the schools is really unheard of nationwide, correct? Right. So I can tell you this started, um, you know, uh, gosh, it's been several years where I, I approached that the superintendent at the time at, at uh, EPISD mm-hmm. because, you know, all of us that have kids, even if you're just taking them to the doctor, it's a day long adventure. Yep. You have to take the day off. You have to drive across town. So we were trying to figure out how we could, again, access. I keep saying access, but that's, that's so right. important is access. And so what we we approached the school with El Paso Independent School District about having clinics in the, some of their schools and that they allowed us in. It took a little time COVID came and it really slowed things down but we are now very proud to have five sites and what it does is it not only feeds that school because we typically have it in a high school except for one middle school it feeds it it, um the the feeder schools have access to those those services so typically you're a lot more convenient for the Mm -hmm. family um, we are doing um, therapy. We have licensed chemical dependency counselors because I know that's a huge issue sometimes with kids, kids is accessing that. And then our next step is really to have telehealth psychiatry to where they can get all of their needs met there at the school. One, it's accessible. Two, they're comfortable there. It's a, it's a safe environment for them. Uh, with regards to CIT, uh, the crisis intervention team, we're very excited to have expanded. We're, we have a super, a super successful program with El Paso Police Department, um, the, the El Paso County Sheriff, the city of Socorro. Yep. But now what we've done is we've expanded the CIT concept into the schools with El Paso um, Independent School District as well as Canuteo law enforcement, their police departments. So it's a little different. Um, It's not 24 seven, you know, it's really there to where if something's going on at the school where the resource officer has to respond, they can call us in and we we co-deploy with that that police force. And it is very unique and it's very, um, you don't don't see hear about that very often. So we're very proud of the, I guess the the uh, confidence that our school districts have in what we do. And what and yeah, and if I, I want to go to this talk about that confidence um, because I've heard you talk about it multiple times, and every time it it, it you know it deems important to me. But when our community went through eight three, mm-hmm. um, you know the shooting that that we had here locally, uh, we were able to jump into action and provide the mental health care because of the relationship that you had with law enforcement. That is correct. That? So um, actually we had two CIT units. So the CIT units with the with uh, El Paso Police Department is a uh, where they our clinician is in the police car. Mm-hmm. So when the all all hands on deck came in for the uh, the shooting at Walmart, they were in the parking lot. So we actually started a, a behavioral health response immediately. Right. But then I can tell you within an hour of, of it hitting the, the news and everything, uh, Chief Allen texted me. Uh, and then I had a lot of people say, your, your, your police chief has your cell phone number that can text you on a Saturday morning. I said, they all do. The, the chief, the sheriff, they all do. And so they trust us. And so he called me and he's like, we need you. We need you now. And so um, we were de- we the my executive team went to the um, command center and mm-hmm. we immediately started deploying people to emergency rooms. We had them at the, the reunification center we were where um, I don't know if a lot of people knew that the city brought in some metro buses because it was hot it was August and they had people sitting in those to be cool and we had people on those buses so the fact that our community put behavioral health 
that at the forefront of what was needed is unheard of. I actually have spoken to folks from Las Vegas mm -hmm. and Orlando, and it was an afterthought. And I can tell you, our community was so um, so proactive in that, that I actually, I myself, because I am a clinician, I debriefed right. with about 100 firefighters at the um, 911 center before they were allowed to go home. And so uh, that was rough. You don't want to be standing in between anybody, you know, being able to leave, but right. we wanted to make sure they had resources and they, they were okay. And so that was the priority of all of our first responders. Uh, leadership was to make sure that everyone had access. Yes, and I, I just always think it's a great story when you tell that behavioral health was, was at the forefront. Yes. And that kind of leads me to my next question. You alluded to that. Um, we have gained some national and state recognition because of the services we provided, but because of our collaboration and efforts. And you've spoke nationally at conferences. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. So, you know, it's to me, it's just every day that I have that relationship with my law enforcement partners, my, um, you know, my hospital district, our private hospitals, right. the hospitals of Providence and the, the, um, the uh, Las Palmas del Sol. We have those relationships. We can make those calls and we can work together when, when we need each other. And when I've spoken and, and talking, spoke to colleagues, both on the state level and the national level, it's, it's not as common as you, we just think of it every day, That's you know, so it's not as common. So they are very um, impressed and interested to hear how we got there. And it took a lot of persistence on my part because mm -hmm. again, you know, mental health is always when it's a bother. And I hate to say it that way. So when someone with a, a severe mental illness is in an emergency room, taking up a trauma bed, that's when I got a call, right. you know, rather than trying to work on, um, you know, diversion efforts to where we don't Before. get there. And that's how CIT came about is mm -hmm. it's a diversion effort. So really um, we've been, El Paso has been recognized as, as, a, as, a best, as best practices in a lot of what we do in our collaboration um, you know, we actually had a national uh, presence when the National Council for Wellbeing brought mm -hmm. a delegation here from all over the, the country to, to, learn see, from us. to yes. see what El Paso has done with regards to uh, collaboration to, to improve services. So a lot, a lot of good things happening. Yes. Okay, so we're, we're almost out of time here, but I want to, to ask you off the top of your head, and we've talked about a lot of things, what are some of the things that you're most proud of um, that you've been able to implement at EHN? Oh I know there's a lot. Well, I, I don't ever feel like it's me. You know, I have the most amazing executive team that I get to work alongside every day. I'm just the lucky one that gets to steer the ship. Okay. But then we have, you know, 750 fabulous employees that are out there making it happen. So I, I don't want to take say it was something that I implemented. Um, I think some of the uh, most pr the, the, some of the things I'm most proud of, you know, really is that service expansion, you know, adding new programs. Because what, what I try to do is, you know, behavioral health as an industry, we tend to sit at the table and talk about what we can't do because we don't have resources, what okay. we can't do because we don't have money. And so what I have done in, in my tenure is I try to go to the table and say, look, this is what I have. What do you have? And together, what can we create? And that's where I am most proud of the accomplishments. I mean, there's a few more things I still want to do before I ride off into the sunset, but <laughs> I think we really have um, been able to make a lot happen in a community. We are we are considered a poorer community. Yes, and, and the stepchild. Sometimes. Well, we are the, yeah. the the only ones in the times in the mountain time zone. So when it comes to the rest of the state, but um, I think. Our geographic isolation has sometimes been to our benefit because we have to be more creative. Um, it is a it's a it's a hassle sometimes as well. But I just want to you know, with regards to all the work that's been done to fill gaps, uh, uh, treat more people, 
have more access, have more um, uh, visibility, mm -hmm. all of that is, is so critical to the, the, the way our community just works together. You know, it's such a wonderful feeling to see how people wrap their arms around each other here. And, nice. and um, I'm really proud to be part of that. Nice. Okay. And I'm sorry, I did. Th I always do this. I did think of another <laughs> question. So our arm, so to speak, reaches uh, to the state level in regards to policymaking and mm -hmm. stuff. Can you briefly talk about what we do in that capacity? Absolutely. We have, again, talked about relationships. We have very solid relationships with our local, state, and national delegation. And so we actually... Um, write language that we we have a, a a whole work you know kind of a brain trust that happens where we put together language that the delegation then puts into bills we've had multiple bills signed by the governor <laughs> um they've gone through uh, very few have been contentious most of the time it's to benefit the whole system and and the the delegation appreciates that uh we really try to to throw some that have no financial obligation oh, to helps. you know but <laughs> we do ask for money sometimes as well but i can tell you that ehn has been instrumental in um successful bills laws uh we're you know we're, we're trying to make cit a part of what the state uh, funds on an ongoing basis because we've been funding it with uh, some money from a couple sessions ago. But we're we're really um, honored to be asked to testify and to help draft language for bills that will affect entire state. And Congresswoman Escobar calls on us as well. So it does have a national impact at times. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think very, very good information that we're sharing. Anything else that you want to leave off with that you want the community to know? You know, I just really want to say thank you to KFOX1 for letting us be uh, do these and being such an amazing media partner. Uh, we're so fortunate to have wonderful media outlets in El Paso, so thanks to them. And really just, you know, the entire staff uh, at EHN, what they do every day. Uh, you know, I always tell them when they're having a rough day, just think about what the, the community would be one day without EHN, mm. and it would be a rough day. So just to thank them for what they do and know that they're just, they're, uh, they're heroes in my, in my opinion. All right. Christy, thank you very much. Thanks. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. At Emergence Health Network, your behavioral health is our commitment. For more than 55 years, we have been serving our community, providing mental health programs, substance use treatments, assistance for our veterans, and 24-hour crisis care. This is us working for you. Thank you for letting us be mindful of your health. Brought to you by Emergence Health Network. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.